I wanna continue my thoughts this morning on the spiritual realities that exist within us in our relationship with Jesus. I wanna go ahead and just be vulnerable with you this morning. Um, I have struggled heavily with these messages over the last few weeks. I've struggled to be at peace with them. I've struggled in my preparation time to come up here prepared, not for lack of trying. I mean, I spent hours in, in studying and prayer and preparation, but just never feeling like I was able to grasp it and deliver it in a manner that's truly worthy of what Jesus is giving us in John 14, 15, and 16. Uh, to the point, even last week, uh, I, I uh, left. As soon as I walked off the stage, I, I, one, I had pneumonia, and I was trying to protect you guys, so I didn't want to get out there in front of everybody and ruin everybody's Thanksgiving. But the other part of it was I just I felt like as I delivered the message last week, I just felt like it fell short of the power that actually exists in these scriptures. And even this week, preparing for this message, I spent a lot of time on Monday, almost all day on Tuesday, some on Wednesday, some on Thursday, almost all day Friday, and literally almost all day yesterday, trying to get to a place to deliver this message today. And the reason is, is because what we're talking about What Jesus in John 14, 15, 16, and then praise about this in 17, this teaching, this this truth, this reality that Jesus is giving to us is so deeply spiritual. It's literally disgusting. If you haven't been here, the, the heart of what the last three weeks has been has been about the reality of the God of the universe dwelling in us, abiding in us, in us learning to dwell and abide in him. Two weeks ago, we we talked about in John 15, we talked about the the power of learning to dwell with Jesus. That I said, and I stand by this, and I think that this is 100% true, that that everything that this world is right now, all of the chaos, the destruction, the, the division, the wars, the famine, the pestilence, all of the things that the world is dealing with right now, seemingly that we're heading into an even deeper, potentially more difficult, more darker future, that the thing that the church needs to learn to do now more than ever is dwell and abide in the presence of Jesus to truly come to terms with the reality of Christ being within us in that deep spiritual way. And that what Jesus teaches us is that if we learn to dwell with Christ and dwell with his word and dwell in his presence and dwell with him, that what naturally will begin to happen is the fruit of heaven will just begin to, to be produced in our life. The character of Christ, the knowledge, the wisdom, the, the, the truth, the, the, the power, everything that is Christ would begin to literally be produced in our life the more that we dwell with him and learn to dwell with him. And then last week, it was about the reality of God dwelling within us. That even Jesus, in in the first part of John 14, Jesus said, I want you guys to understand. You see, you cannot forget that this was the last few hours that Jesus had with the disciples. 
This was the last few uh, teachings, the last few truths that he could give to them. And he felt like he was preparing their hearts for years for this moment. But this was between the, the Last Supper uh, and the Garden of Gethsemane. There's just a few hours there and Jesus delivers all of this. And he wants them to understand his relational connection to the Father and the Father's relational connection to Jesus because that would be the relational connection that we have with the Father following the resurrection. And so he wants them to understand. He says, guys, I need you to hear me. Every word that I've said, everything that I've taught, every ounce of wisdom and knowledge that I've given over the last few years, he says, it's not even mine or my authority. It's my father's words and my father's authority. In another place, Jesus said, I don't, I don't say anything. I don't hear my father say, and I don't do anything. I don't see my father do. He said, I want you to understand the works that you've seen me do, the authority that you've seen me have, the power that you've seen me have, the ministry, the sacrifice, the serving, the miracles, everything that you've seen in me is not me. It's the Father dwelling in me, doing his works. The, Jesus wanted the disciples, he's trying to teach them that, that you cannot see the spiritual reality with your eyes, but that God the Father, me, he said, after the resurrection and the Holy Spirit are all going to dwell within you. And this is something that we can come to terms with up here. Like this is something I think that we can maybe understand, like maybe even easily, we can understand the words that Jesus is saying and what he's teaching and, and we can sit around together and accept that reality and maybe even believe it. But then that moving from here to here to where that it is not just a philosophical reality, but it is a physical, true, literal reality, and we learn to live in that and walk in that, that is very difficult for the human mind to grasp. And I think what, what proves that and what I think lets me off the hook a little bit uh, in my feeling like I've, I've failed to truly give it what it's, I believe it truly is worth is because as Jesus is teaching this in John 14, 15, and 16, he hits it multiple times from multiple angles, and each time, even the disciples are confused. The disciples' questions betray their doubt. It betrays their, they're struggling to comprehend it. They're struggling to fully grasp it. And so Jesus teaches it over and over and over again. And so in my struggles this week, and in my prayer time of, of just coming to terms with this, the Lord, I think, laid something deep in my heart. The reason why this is difficult to grasp is because it is so foreign to our human nature. And understanding this and learning to live in this isn't just a part of Christianity, but learning to, to accept this, learning what this really means, and then learning to live in that is the whole Christian life. Amen. By faith, truly coming to terms that the invisible king of the universe dwells in us. That is a heaviness. And I just, just, for, just for a second, I want you to really think about what I just said, and then I just want you to, to, to take that in. What Jesus is teaching us is that if you've truly put your faith in Jesus, and you're truly a Christian, you're truly a believer, the spirit of the living God is within you. Right. Jesus himself and the Father, they dwell 
in your spirit, in the depth of the most spiritual part of who you are. Right now, they abide with you. They dwell with you. There is a power in that. There is a depth in that. And Jesus gets that it's difficult to comprehend and that it takes time to learn to walk in this reality. And so I want all of us, including me, to have mercy on us when we, don't, we, when we start to get it, but it's still hard to know what to do with it and how to walk in that. Because this is what Jesus is teaching us. And then he promises us later. He said, I'm, I'm giving you all of this so my joy can be in you and your joy can be complete. I'm giving you all of this so that when it happens, you'll believe it. He said, and I'm giving you all of this so that when I leave and the Holy Spirit comes, he'll continue to teach you, not just remind you of what I'm telling you now, but he'll begin to teach you all other things. And so for Jesus, us coming to terms with this is the beginning of a deep-seated, real, genuine, authentic relationship with him. So it's okay if we don't fully get it right now but it's the believing it and learning to walk in it that is the beauty of us growing in our faith and in our relationship with Jesus. And so I said all that just to give me some peace, if nobody else. But as Jesus is teaching this, it seems like he takes a left turn. In, in the beginning of John 14, he's talking about him being the, the way, the truth, and the life. He's talking about belief. Literally, the first verse is, let your hearts not be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Then he ends this section with uh, verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And the first part is about the, the believing, the faith. The, the Greek word is the pistos, the, the faith, the trust, the belief in the reality of Jesus as Lord and King. And then it seems like he, he just kind of just stops and takes a left turn, like he goes a different direction. But I would argue with you that what we're about to read and what we're about to see is not Jesus changing directions, but Jesus taking us deeper, deeper into the reality of this relationship. I want to show you something in this. In verse 15, this is the first verse that we're going to look at today. And I, I want to I read the last verse from last week so that when I say it seems like he changes directions, but he's really not, he's going deeper. I want you to know what I mean by that. So I'm going to read verse 12, but verse 15 is the first verse for today's teaching. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, belief, faith, trust, pistos, Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this will I do. The Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. It seems like he just onto a new direction, taking us a different direction. He's not. He's taking us deeper. I'm going to say something, and I hope by the end of the message, you will fully get this and fully believe this. Faith is the entrance into the relationship with God. But love is the destination. Faith opens up the door, but love is the goal. 
And anytime we begin to talk about love, especially between us and God, the vast majority of the time when, when love is discussed or love is talked about or, or love is taught on, it's about God's love for us, which is amazing. There are countless books and studies and messages and series and podcasts and blogs and every other form of content depicting the reality of God loving us and how much God truly loves us. And this is a great thing. This is important because there's so many people that struggle to really believe that God loves them. This is something in my own life, in my own walk with Jesus that I have struggled with early on in my, in my faith. And so it's a beautiful thing, but it gets a significant amount of attention, as does faith. But very rarely do we study or read or teach about the idea of us loving God back. This isn't something that, that is natural for us because so much of American Christianity is so human-centered and even our beginning relationship with Jesus is human-centered. Jesus understood this. He was wise enough to understand this, to get this, that when we enter into the relationship, we are still self-centered human beings. But that the more, and what I mean by that is like when we kind of get into a relationship with God, life is mostly about what can God do for me? How can God bless me? How can God help me here? How can God do this for me? How can God do this for me? And there's beauty in that. But that true, genuine, authentic relationships involve not just the love of one being to another, but the love of both beings toward each other. And so God loving us is just half of the equation. We are called to love God back, but rarely do we discuss this. And Jesus seemingly out of nowhere takes this conversation to this place of us loving him. And he says it like this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, I'm gonna have to take some time with verse 15 because verse 15 is the foundational statement of the next few verses. And so if we have a misunderstanding of verse 15, then at best, we'll have a limited understanding of the rest and at worst, we'll have a wrong understanding. And so I want us to understand what he means, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I wanna talk about love first, just for a minute. I wanna be careful how I say this because there's people, we've, we've developed ideas and thoughts and structures of, about different things and, and sometimes, believe it or not, we're wrong. It's the craziest thing. I know it's not a lot. I know it's not often, but every now and then, you know, we're wrong. A lot of times the way that we view the word love or the idea of love is wrong. There's multiple words for love in, in, in the Bible, several different words. The two primary words though are phileo and agape. Phileo is like brotherly love, brotherly affection. It's like, I love you, bro, like that. I just did it. I love you, bro. That's brotherly affection. Okay, raise your hand if you've never used the word bro in your entire life. I just wanna know who I'm speaking to. One cool person, that's it. She literally, her face was like, I'm changing churches. <laughs> Please don't leave, we love you, love me. But agape love is, is the divine love. This is deep, godly love. In fact, the first John says that God is love. A lot of times, sometimes we think of love as a mere emotion. It is not. 
Love is far greater than a mere emotion. If you take the idea of love and you put it and make it synonymous with your emotions, with uh, happiness, with uh, joy, with anger, with sadness, if you take love and you, you, you lower it down to a mere human emotion, you have completely made it something that it is not. Love is much greater and much deeper than a mere emotion. Now, it can manifest emotionally, but love, true love, right, is not changeable uh, by the blowing of the wind like our emotions are. Like love isn't changed by hormonal imbalances. Do not say amen. Nobody say amen, <laughs> especially men. Keep your mouth shut and you'll make it through this one, right? Our emotions are deeply shifted because of outside circumstances or internal circumstances. Love is not that. Love is greater than that. If you look up the word agape in scripture and you look at the definition, it's always gonna be some form of divine preference. At the end of the day, what makes love so powerful is that love at the end of the day is a choice. If, you, if, love is not, if love doesn't have a choice or love doesn't have a preference, then it really has no value. Uh, what, what I mean by that is, is God doesn't have to love you, but he chooses to love you, and that's what makes it so amazing. Yeah. And God decided that he wanted you to exist in the universe that he created. Why? because he prefers your existence, divine preference. He prefers you to be alive. He prefers you to have a voice. He prefers to know you. He wants you to live. He wants you to exist because he loves you. He desires you, right? Why did God send Christ to die on a cross? Because he preferred for you to be with him forever. Yeah. He didn't have to do that but he loved you, he prefers you, he desires you. And so he sent Jesus to die on a cross for your sins so that your sins could be forgiven, so that you could be filled with his spirit, so that you could be made clean and be in an eternal, deep relationship with him. He loves you, love is a preference. If I, and I love your kids to an extent, but if I love your kids the way I love my kids, that wouldn't really be love, would it? My kids, I love in a deeply different way than I love your kids. I do love your kids. I love them. <laughs> but I deeply love my children. I prefer my children over yours. I'm gonna be careful with this analogy. We're gonna cut this one out. I've seen some of the nicest people turn into Bond villains over their children. So we're just gonna take a step back. Your kids are great. They're all geniuses. They're all gonna be in the Olympics. They're all gonna be presidents, okay? Agape love is deeper. Love is so strong. The Bible says that love is stronger than death itself. So I'm trying to make sure that we understand what love is. Love is not an emotion, though it can play out and manifest emotionally. Love is the greatest thing in the universe. God even says in scripture, it says, faith, hope, and love remain. 
but the greatest of these is love. So again, I want you to understand the heart of this. Faith, faith is faith. Faith is what our, our relationship is built on. Faith is the foundation of the gospel. Faith is crazy powerful. But God says love is even greater than faith. Faith is the entrance. Love is the destination. And so when Jesus says, if you love me, what he means by that is, if you get to a place in your life where you truly recognize who I am and you prefer me over the world, you desire me, you have affection for me, you wanna know me and you wanna know what I desire and you wanna live for me and serve me and please me. Because if, when, when you get to that place and you start to turn your affection towards me and your adoration towards me, and you love me. You're, you're, you're choosing me. You're, you're, you, you could choose the culture. You could choose the world. You could choose any lifestyle. You could choose anything that you wanna do. He says, but if you get to the point where you recognize I'm the one that you want to know, I'm the one that you wanna be in a relationship with, I'm the one that you wanna live for, I'm the one that you wanna live with, I'm the one that you wanna serve and please. When you get to that place and you begin to set your heart towards me, and turn your focus and attention towards me and your affection towards me. He says, that's what love is. He goes, and when that happens, the way you'll know it, that it's real and authentic, is that you'll keep my commandments. So I wanna be, I wanna be really clear what this does not say. I'm gonna show you what is very common in this scripture. And for, for all of the long-term Christians who knows your Bible, I want you to just give me just a second to say a thing, and then I just want you to calm down. Just for just... For a second, I'm gonna say a thing. It's not gonna hit right. I'm already warning you, trigger warning. But I want you to just calm down and I'm gonna, get, I'm gonna make you feel better in just a second. What this does not say, and I wanna show you what, what and I've, I've seen this done with this very scripture several times by big name preachers. I wanna show you what they do. They say, if you love me, you will keep my commands. They read the scripture just like I just did. If you love me, you will keep my commands. Then they look up to you, and then they say something totally different. They do this. If you love me, you will keep my commands. If you love him, you will obey him. Is that what it says? Did I just change scripture? Am I a heretic? Yes. Anytime you tell Jesus what he meant to say, that's heresy. And, and big name preachers, they love to call out heretics all over the place while they do it themselves. I wanna just be real clear. You may not realize this. Jesus was the son of God. He's God himself. He created the universe. When he was having this conversation, he wasn't going, if you love me, uh, what's the word? Um, I can't think of a word to say here. And then guests keep, but meant obey. That didn't happen. Can we all agree that when Jesus said that, he said it on purpose? Can we all agree that he probably did well in grammar? Can we just, just for a second, can we, can we just agree that 
God said that Jesus is the literal word of God who became flesh, the literal word, the logos of God. I feel like if there's any subject that Jesus did well in, it's grammar, it's spelling, it's, it's, it's language, all right? So when he said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, he meant keep, he did not mean obey. Now, you may not be understanding why this is such a big deal to me, but it's a big deal to me because one, I think anytime a preacher changes scripture, he needs to get off the stage and never get back on, my opinion. But I think that when you try to, when you change the word or you change the meaning because it fits my, what you think or believe, then you walk people down a wrong path. Because what, what Jesus is not saying, because if you say, if you love me, you will obey my commands, then the, the negative of that is true too. What, what some, I've heard people teach this and preach this, that every time that you don't obey, every time that you slip up, every time that you tell a white lie instead of the truth, every time that you, out, you know, rage out in anger, every time that you screw up, it's evidence that you don't really love Jesus. That is not biblical and that is not true. This would be the same way of going every time I have a bad day with my kids or with my wife or with my family that I don't really love them. That's me going, I forgot to take the trash out. I didn't really value what Courtney wanted. I don't love her. If that were true, she would be the most unloved woman ever because I forget the trash on a regular basis, right? It's not that I don't care what she wants. It's not that I don't desire her. It's not that I don't. It's just that maybe I woke up and stress got to me that day and I was just in a bad mood and I slipped up and, 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 and yelled or said something hurtful or did. It doesn't mean that I don't love her. It means that I'm human and I had a bad day. Does that make sense? When Jesus said keep, he meant keep. Now, is obedience the long-term goal of that? 100%. But that's not what he said. He didn't say obey, he said keep. Keep literally means it's te-reho. That's the name of, that's the, that's the Greek word, te-reho. And it literally means to keep, to guard, to observe, to watch over, to value, to spiritually guard it. To, to, what Jesus is saying is that if you love me, one of the, the, the truest signs that your love is authentic for me is that you will value what I value, you will desire what I desire, that you will take my words and take my laws and take my commands, you will bring them close, you will watch over them, and you will strive to let them be what guides you in this life. It's not saying this is not legalism, uh, this, is, this is Jesus telling you something very simple. Once I say it in a minute, you'll get how simple it is. He's saying, if you really love me, you will guard my word, my commands. You'll spiritually watch over them. You'll value them. You'll bring them into your life and they will be a guidance for you. Now, I wanna, I wanna say this because this is the heart of what Jesus is saying. I love all people and I love all the ways that they, however they wanna do their life, that's fine too. And I, even because I like to share about my life and what I'm doing, it doesn't even get on my nerves. Like if you're doing something new and you want to talk about it all the time, I actually enjoy that because I do that too. Like vegetarians. <laughs> vegetarians are very vocal about being vegetarians, right? This is not a, this is not a bad thing. I love vegetarians, right? I actually was a vegetarian for a year and I enjoyed it. I liked it. I liked it. I won't do it again, but I liked it. But what I struggle with, what I struggle with is when vegetarians go on and on and on and on and on about how they're vegetarian and how I'm a horrible murderer 
for eating meat. And then I see them eat a cheeseburger. I want to break their nose in love. Because I put up with all of your nonsense, but you're not a real authentic vegetarian. They're like, yes, I am. No, you're not. Because a, ve a vegetarian doesn't eat what? Meat. So if you're a vegetarian who eats meat, you're not a vegetarian. That's all there is to it. That's it. That's the life lesson. This is all Jesus is saying. If you authentically, genuinely love me, you'll act like it. If you genuinely love me, you're gonna act like it. You're, you're, this is, you're gonna value me. You're gonna value my word. You're gonna desire what I desire. And this is gonna be something in your life that you strive to do. So the heart of what Jesus is saying is this is, if, if, he's driving us to love. And he's saying, to know that you really love me is to desire what I desire, value what I value, take my word, guard it with your heart, strive to live by it. But more than the perfection that is impossible in this life, he's not after that. He's after you being in an intimate, close relationship with him and learning to love him and love what he loves and to take that into your life. And what he says is, and, and I'm gonna move super fast to the rest of this. What he says is, and I will ask, if you'll do this, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. To do what? To help you with what he just said. To help you in your relationship with him. To help you in your loving connection with him. To help you keep the, the, the word and the commands. To help you, to empower you in this life. To also give you understanding. He says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So I need you to understand the heart of what Jesus is doing. He, he's, he's showing you the reality of what's going on in your heart when you begin to turn your affection towards him and love him and intentionally go after him. He says, I'm gonna send you a helper that's gonna help with the process, the spirit of truth, whom you will receive. The world can't receive it. That's actually super important in just a minute. But you can receive it. And he's gonna help you and empower you in this life. And he's gonna give you truth and understanding. If you desire it, he's gonna teach it to you. Now, he, he, uh, he moves on, and again, he's trying, you have to remember, he's trying to teach them all of John 14, 15, 16. He's teaching them, about their spiritual relationship with him after the resurrection, after he's physically not on the earth. And so he says, I want you to know, he keeps saying this in different ways. I'm not gonna leave you as orphans. I'm gonna come to you. You're not gonna be alone in this life. I'm not gonna be in heaven waiting on you. I'm going to be literally with you, guiding you to eternity. You're not gonna be an orphan. You're not gonna be alone. I'm gonna be with you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. In that day, you will know that I'm in the Father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandment and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Now, I want you to leave that scripture up on the screen. Verse 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, there's the word again, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me 
will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So I wanna be really clear what this is not saying because if you're not careful, you will read that out of context of the rest of the conversation and the rest of the gospel and the rest of scriptures. And you might walk away thinking that God's love for you is conditional on you loving him first. That is not right. That is not the Bible. That is not the gospel. And that is not what Jesus Christ is teaching here in this moment. The heart of what he's laying out is what is going on within your heart. Everything that he, every single thing that he teaches in John 14, 15, and 16 is about the spiritual reality of what's going on in your heart. It's about him dwelling and abiding in you and you learning to dwell and abide in him. It is about that deep, spiritual, intimate connection, not a future, eternal, heavenly one, but right here, right now in this moment, he is present in your life. Everything is about that reality. It's not even really about salvation at this point. It's about what the relationship looks like in your salvation. And so what he's saying here, and I need you to hear, he's not saying, if you love me, then my father will love you. All right? He's not saying that. What he's talking about is loving him opens up your heart to receive the love that God already has for you. I want to show you what I mean by that. He asked uh, uh, Judas, not Iscariot. This is Judas is the son of James. So this is Jesus's nephew. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas asked, not Iscariot, asked, Lord, how is it that you will manifest or show or reveal yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words and the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. So Judas asked the question, how is it that you will reveal yourself or manifest or show up in a unique, special way in my life, but not in the world's life. And Jesus is, is reiterating the thing that he just said. Because you love me and the world doesn't. Loving Jesus is what opens up the door to receive the love of the Father. The Father already loves you, but loving Jesus opens up your heart and ability to receive it, to truly experience it. It's one thing to know in your head God loves you. It's another thing altogether to truly experience that love. Because experiencing that love is what changes you forever. When I was in college, I worked for the school the last two or three years, and I realized that there was a significant incentive, very strategic, intentional game plan put together to make sure that the freshmen during their first semester in college 
would not go home at all before Thanksgiving. This was a drawn out strategic plan. And they had all these little incentives and all these little things and all these little get togethers and these parties and they did everything in their power to make sure that the freshman students would not leave the campus and go back home before Thanksgiving. And I learned quickly the reason that they did this was because if, if students, for many of them, especially if they came from good families, for many of them, they had never been separated from their home and from their family and from their mother, their dad, and their parents. They, they never experienced that. They were always in the home. They were always connected on some level. They, they were always there experiencing the love that the parents had for them. And then when, when they would go to school, for many of them, though they would just go wild and crazy and experience life and just finally be out of the house, go nuts a little bit, they still were sad, a lot of them. Getting used to, to living in a world where you didn't wake up and experience that deep love that good parents have for their children. And so what the college realized is that if they could, they, they had to keep them as many as they could on campus because if they would return in that first few weeks and then refill that experience of that love of their parents, it would be so strong that many of them wouldn't come back. And so the thing that I, I, the Lord kind of laid in my heart this week is I want you to think about this. They're at, they're at campus, they're at college. Now, did their parents quit loving them? No. Were their parents enjoying their absence and living the time of their life? Probably. Right. But their parents deeply loved them the same way they always had. It's just that they were no longer in the home. They were no longer in the room with them. They, were, they no longer woke up and, and could go and hug them and experience that love. They could no longer sit and, and face to face and, and experience that love and, and, and feel the love and, 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 and sense it. And it's so powerful that if they left school and went home and, and felt it, it, would, it was so powerful that it would stop many of them from coming back. And in so many ways, this is the reality of our relationship with God. God deeply loves you. He loves every, he loved the whole world. And it said that in John 3, 16, it says he loves the world so much that he sent Jesus to die for our sins. He loves the world. He loves sinners and saints, unbelievers and believers. He loves the people who don't believe in him. He loves the people that hate him. He loves all of his people, all of his creation. He loves us all. You would not be in existence if he did not love you. But the world cannot receive or experience that love because of the sin that is in their heart and in their life. And when we put our faith in Jesus and our sins are taken care of, it opens up our heart to have the ability, we can now receive God. We can now receive and feel and truly experience the love of God, that agape love that is so deep and so strong. God says it's stronger than death. We can experience that. So faith opens up the door. Faith is the entrance, but love is the destination. And what Jesus is saying here, he says, when you love me, when you love me and you set your affection on me, it widens that door. It widens that gap. And so that you can experience more and deeper of God's love.
So the heart of what Jesus is saying is that, that if you love me, when you get to that point in your life and you begin to, to turn your heart, your attention over to Jesus and desire him and you want to get to know him and you want to you know what he knows and you want to be like him and you want to please him and you want to serve him and you, you set your full affection and you surrender your heart to him and, and you want to live for him and no one else. You lift him up above everything else. You, you truly begin to love him that opens up your heart and your mind and your spirit to receive a distinct, powerful love from God. It grows and it expands. His love never changes for you, but you can now receive and experience it in a way that you couldn't before you knew Jesus. And the more that you love Christ and the more that you, time you spend with him and the more that you dwell with him, the greater you experience the love, the more you know of this love. And Jesus says that the heart of this is when, and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and I will manifest myself to him. Jesus says, I will show up in your life in a unique, distinct way. That when you, you truly love me, when you walk into a room like Jesus talks about, and you truly, you walk into that room with the sole intention of dwelling with him and spending time with him and you close the door behind you, it opens up your heart, your mind, your life. It opens up to the spiritual reality that is existing, that's truly there. And you can feel the presence of Jesus. You can, you can feel his love. You can, I, I truly believe when we talk about feeling the presence of God, we are feeling the love of God because God is love. And so I, 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 want you, I, I want to make sure that we understand that Jesus is not saying you've got to obey my commands and, and be perfect and set your love on me and then you'll receive God's love. No, God deeply loves you. He deeply loves you. What Jesus is saying is when you are ready to be in a deeper relationship with me, faith, believing in me, opens up the door. But what I died to have with you was not just you forgiven of sin, but what I died to have with you was a deep, loving, intimate relationship. So when you wanna move past faith, the greater thing is love. Faith, hope, and love remain, but the greatest of these is love. Faith is the entrance, but love is the destination. And I believe what we are missing the most in this life is the experiential love of God. Giving ourselves over to Him. Giving Him time to show us how much He loves us giving him a moment every day to wrap his arms around us. I'm telling you right now from someone who has struggled with so much in my life, coming to terms with the reality of what I'm talking about is a life-changing moment. He deeply loves you and he wants to pour that love out in your life. And the way that you receive that is turning your heart and your affection to him. And when that alignment takes place, it just changes you forever. Faith is the entrance, love is the goal. He loves you 
take advantage of what Jesus is giving us. Give your life to him with everything you have. Amen.